all day, all day. All day, all day. How long you spark, pop? All day, all day. How much time you spent at the mall? All day, all day. How many runners do you got on call? All day, all day. Swish, swish. How long they keep you in call? All day, all day. Welcome back, ladies and gents, to another episode of the Port This House podcast. In today's episode, I wanted to talk about last week's divisional round, and I wanted to go ahead and talk about tomorrow's games between the Green Bay Packers and Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, so I want to kick off by talking about uh, the Packers and Rams game. I will say... With as far as like how the offense looked on Green Bay, they look really, really healthy. Like I'm talking, did we just play the number one defense healthy? And what people are failing to realize is, yeah, that number one defense may have had Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and a couple of key pieces like uh, Leonard Floyd, but they were over a lot of those guys were overachieving for the majority of that season, especially in the playoffs. Like you really think in back to back games on the road that this defense was shut down, not only Russell Wilson, which was highly unexpected, but Aaron Rodgers. No. It's just not happening. And it's fine. You know, like Jalen Ramsey isn't overrated. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I've been saying for probably a year now that he was, but he's proved me wrong this season. He's played up to the talk. He's played up to his expectations. Whenever he covers a number one receiver, except for last week, <laughs> he's been pretty good. But last week he went up against arguably the best receiver in the league, Devontae Adams. And last week, he went up against arguably the best quarterback in the league, Aaron Rodgers. And last week, he went up against one of the best offensive minds in the league and head coach Matt LaFleur. See that? That's a three-headed monster. How can one DB, one, just one, be able to hang on for his dear life against that? No one can. Not one DB. Name one DB past or present that could. Oh, Revis Island. Oh, Dion. Oh, uh, X player. Like, dude, no. All those guys would have gotten chewed up. And it's fine because you're talking about, again, a three-headed monster that includes talent that is just otherworldly. It's insane that people expected more from Jalen Ramsey. I'm here to tip my cap off to Jalen Ramsey and that Rams defense for exceeding expectations this year in my eyes. Uh, The next game that we had was the Bills and Ravens. And that game was extremely underwhelming. Uh, A lot of people thought that we were going to get a shootout, uh, me personally, I thought we were gonna have at least a little bit more scoring. It was it was bad from the start. Uh, 
from what I saw, Lamar just couldn't get the ball to his receivers like he wanted to. And that pick six was devastating. I mean, they had drove all the way down to the red zone. And it was just a ghastly throw. That's a throw you don't make. That's a throw you should never try to make. Patrick Mahomes probably wouldn't even try to make that throw, even with the arm talent that he has. A-Rod wouldn't try to make that throw, even with the arm talent that he has. You shouldn't make that throw, Lamar, but it's fine. You got next year. What I can tell you next year is this. The Steelers are going to underachieve. Cincinnati is going to have Joe Burrow come back to the same Cincinnati team with a few added pieces, but still the same Cincinnati team. And the Browns, while they aren't going to be the Browns anymore, are going to slightly over underachieve again because I feel like they overachieved this year. So what that leaves you with, Lamar and the Ravens, is another chance to win the AFC North, or at least have the opportunity to. Don't blow that opportunity because if y'all do, I feel like it's going to be a rude awakening for John Harbaugh. Because this will be his fourth straight year of not going to the AFC or making it to the Super Bowl. However many years. Either way, a lot of people feel like they have underachieved. I'm one of those people. Sad is, as, sad, as sad as it is to say. All right, the next game that we have was the Bucks Saints. And this game was a big heartbreaker. Because this just shows that, wow... Yes, you can play in this league for 20-plus seasons and look okay, but no, you should not do it, especially if you continue to get injured in the ways that Drew Brees was getting injured. Uh, Obviously, it was a battle of old quarterbacks uh, with Drew Brees and Tom Brady, but the difference is Tom hasn't had nearly as many devastating injuries in his career as Drew Brees had. Tom hasn't had an injury like Drew Brees has had this season at all. Uh, Drew Brees missed at least three or four games this season due to a punctured lung and a fractured rib. He's over 40. Like, I don't know what Saints fans were thinking was going to happen. Drew Brees wasn't going to win you that game. Alvin Kamara was, if anything, that defense was, if anything. But the Bucks defense showed up. They played out pretty dang good, overachieved. And the Saints defense underperformed, I feel like. I mean, granted, the Bucks have probably one of the most talented offenses in the league. But they shouldn't have been getting dusted like they were. I mean, it doesn't help when Drew Brees was turning the ball over as much as he was, but still, it's it's pretty alarming. Um, for Saints fans, I would say better luck next year, but with the Falcons retooling their whole front office and them getting a new head coach, I think they're arguably the top team in the NFC South going into next year. Uh, depending on what happens with TB12 and the Bucks, And with the Saints losing Drew Brees, I, I just, unless they get another quarterback in there fast, I just don't see them replicating any of the success that they've had in the past three or four years. 
It's just not going to happen. Uh, as far as the Bucks, they look pretty dang good. And I want to say, when I say pretty dang good, I mean probably the best they've played all season. They were on fire. I mean, they obviously missed on a couple of opportunities to score and early on. And Tom Brady was a little frustrated. A lot of guys on the offense were pretty frustrated, but they came up and made big plays when they needed to. And that's the story of the Bucks. When they need to make big plays, they can make them. It's just the little things, and it is some. It, a lot of the time, they pin, depend too much on having to make that big play to get the offense going. I feel like if they can just become a consistent offense with running the ball and getting the ball to their best playmakers on a consistent basis, then they'll be fine. I'm not going to say what I think the game is looking like yet between them and the uh, Packers, but we'll get to that. And uh, last but not least, the Bucks and Chiefs. Arguably the best game as far as the amount of drama. <laughs> uh, or not Bucks and Chiefs. Sorry. Browns and Chiefs. Just realized I'm like, the Bucks. Anyway. <laughs> This game was extremely entertaining, like I just said. Mm, all for the wrong reasons. So, early on, the Chiefs looked good. The Browns looked good. Then the Chiefs lost Patrick Mahomes. And everyone was like, oh, no. Well, there's the Chiefs season. You still realize they still have one of the most talented offenses and defenses in the league, right? You still realize they have Andy Reid. And you still realize they're playing the Browns. Now, it'd be different if they were playing a team like, oh, I don't know, the Ravens or the Bills. Makes sense. But it's the Browns. I mean, the Browns overachieved this year. They exceeded expectations. This was the Browns' year to do great. And they did. They won a playoff game after not being to the playoffs for my entire life, for the most part. But the odds were stacked against them from the day that they got into Kansas City, sadly. I mean, and then the way that for them to lose with the fumble out of the end zone, and then the fourth and inches throw from the backup on Kansas City, it, it's just heartbreaking for Kent or Cleveland fans. I feel for you, but at the same time, I don't. Because y'all got, y'all, y'all got your win in the playoffs. Be happy about it. I'm excited for you. I kind of feel bad for you, but I'm more excited for you than anything. Uh, like I said earlier, though, the, the Ravens, I think, are my favorite for the AFC North next year. The Browns can still make the playoffs, but we'll see if they'll take a step back and become the Browns again. All right. This matchup in the AFC and NFC championship games tomorrow Arguably some of the best football we're going to see in a year. We're going to have TB12 versus AR12. And we're going to have the vaunted Chiefs versus the upstart Bills team. I'm really excited for both of these games. So let's go ahead and start with the uh, Chiefs-Bills. Now, the key thing to look out for here, obviously, 
is whether or not Patrick Mahomes is actually going to play 100%, or at least play up to 100%. What I mean by that is, while the concussion he sustained wasn't from a helmet-to-helmet contact hit, it was still a violent concussion and a violent hit to the ground. Like, his helmet literally scudded the ground hard. And did you see the aftermath after he got up? Dude didn't know where he was and didn't know how to walk. I think that'll play a huge role into this game. Because if anyone has ever had a concussion, even a mild concussion, they can tell you it affects a lot of your cognitive ability. Obviously. And it affects the way that you move. It affects your coordination. Little things. He had a severe concussion from the looks of it. And you're mean to tell me that he's going to be able to play within a week after sustaining that concussion? Please. I think that'll be the biggest storyline for this game, obviously. And then when people look back at this game and if the Chiefs lose, people aren't going to be saying, oh, the Bills are really good. People are going to say the Chiefs weren't ready. Mahomes wasn't ready. You know, I saw a couple of articles saying that, or I saw a couple of sports personalities saying that uh, the NFL should move this game back just for the sake of Mahomes being injured. We have to get out of this mindset of, oh, box office ball is the best ball. If these players aren't playing, then I'm not watching. Or the, the league should postpone until these guys are ready. They tried to do it with the national championship game for college football with Ohio State. It, what's this notion of that? Where did this come from? I was raised on the fact of if it's football to be played, I'm going to go play football. If there's football to be played, I'm not waiting for it to get postponed. If there's football to be played, we're going to play. Not this whole, oh, it's box office. we got to wait for the box office guys to be back. No, you go out there, you put your helmet into the ground, and you go play. That's that. Like, it's, it's this whole notion. Like, it's it's beyond me. But back to the actual performance and what I think is going to happen. I think the Bills are going to win. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to play decent, but he's going to make a good amount of mistakes because he was already making those mistakes in the regular season. And it's not like we're talking about a guy like Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady here. He's more akin to a guy like Brett Favre, who takes risk. And if those risks don't pay off, they turn into turnovers. I think he's going to have a lot of turnovers. And I think those turnovers are going to determine whether or not they win that game or not. And Josh Allen has been, the honestly, the complete opposite. I know I I said in a couple shows ago that he has a turnover problem and that'll cost the Bills the chance to get to the Super Bowl or make it or advance in the playoffs. But so far, he's been pretty decent with his turnover problem. And I think that'll be the biggest thing, turnovers. Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes and who's going to make the most turnovers. Not the defensive turnovers and the quarterbacks. All right, on to the next game with the uh, Packers and the Saints. I think this game is going to be the more interesting of the two, uh, offensive, uh, offensively, obviously. Uh, really excited to see this game. 
the Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams connection is beautiful. It's arguably one of the best quarterback receiver connections I've seen in my lifetime. I mean, I was raised with a lot of great connections, but this one is just, it's so meticulous. Like they, they're just so intertwined mentally that you can see it when they play. And then you look at the other side and you look at how talented the Bucks, the offense is and how many great players they have on that offensive side with Mike Evans and Godwin and obviously TB12, Antonio Brown, Gronk, like, and then there's some unsung heroes on that offense, like Jones and another tight end behind Gronk who made a couple of good catches. Like, they have a loaded offense. Loaded. So I think this game is probably going to be closest to a shootout that we have that we have had the entire playoffs so far. But I think it's going to come down to can the Bucks stop depending on a big play to win them or move the ball for them and win in games. I need TB12 to kind of revert back to New England, Tom Brady. I know it's a totally different system, and I, I know there's totally different players, especially at the skill position. So he doesn't have to necessarily meticulously dissect the defense, opposing defense anymore, but that's what he's best at. I mean, the one year that we saw him really just launch it and let it loose was the year that they lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl. And I'm not saying that this Packers defense is that Giants defense. Obviously, it's not. But what have we seen in the past when Tom Brady depends too much on letting it loose rather than meticulously dissecting the defense? It's easier for the defense to stop it. Even with the amount of talent that he had on that past Patriots team, and even with the amount of talent that he has on this current Bucks team, that's just not his game. He's He can do it. He's proved that he can do it. He can throw down the field effectively. But what this Bucks offense needs to get to that next level is Tom Brady to dissect. Tom Brady to just tear that middle of that defense apart. Just destroy it like he was akin to doing in the past. Not taking the top off. That's not him. We don't need that time. I mean, it's great to have it especially with the amount of weapons that they have. But if we get the Tom Brady who can take the top off and dissect at the same time, look out any team against them. Look out. That being said, though, the better team is the is the Packers. They're better coached. They may not have better players on either side of the ball, per se. Defensively, that's debatable, but... They may not have better players offensively, but they're better coached. They have a better system and arguably the better quarterback, even at, with the uh, amount of talent that is different. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. Aaron Rodgers is going to go down as the second greatest quarterback of all time, only behind Tom Brady and only because of titles and Bill Belichick. But I think this game can close that gap significantly. And with that, the Packers are winning. I think you, the Bucks just can't they, can't, they can't possibly overachieve as much as they did last week, this week. 
This isn't Drew Brees. This isn't that Saints defense that underperforms in big games. This is the Packers. And this is Aaron Rodgers, who hasn't hit a wall yet. He's still young enough, still good enough to still be arguably the greatest quarterback in our league right now. And I think that matters. I think we're going to see it tomorrow. So I got the Packers. Now, that sets up the Super Bowl between the Bills and the Packers. We'll see if that's actually the matchup. But if it is, I got the, well, I have to see how they perform tomorrow. With that, I'm going to move on to the next segment. All right. So what I'm seeing a lot of people do is uh, bail on this whole Brooklyn Nets thing. I don't get it. Personally, I don't get it. Like, what have we seen in the past with big threes? They need weeks, not just a couple games, literal weeks, maybe even a month and a half to two months to meld and get to the peak of themselves. Like with the Celtics, that first, even it, it took a season for them. Same thing with the Heat. It took a season. Like the Warriors were probably the only instance of a big three working the first time. And that's because of the system that was in place when that team was formed and the roles that were already set when that team was formed. Like, it it blows my mind that people are already blowing up this team, calling for Kyrie to be traded, calling for the GM to be fired for trading for James Harden. It's like, dude, They've only played two games. Now, granted, they did lose to the Cavs. But the Cavs aren't the Cavs anymore. Now, if they lost to, like, oh, I don't know, the Timberwolves, then we should be raising some kind of a red flag. It's the Cavs. It's Colin Sexton. It's Andre Trump. Can't even say it without laughing. But these guys are actually good. They can they, – they can play in the NBA. They're good players. And they're well coached, obviously, to be able to beat a team like the Nets in double overtime is a great testament to coaching. Good coaching. And then to go out and beat them again the following day and following night? What more can you want from a coach? What more can you want from your players? Like, get, instead of discrediting the Nets for being trash or whatever may have you, credit the Cavs for becoming what they have become. A competent team, a team who's well-coached, a team with young players who can play. Like, we're only talking just a year ago, a year removed from them being arguably the worst team in the league, other than the Bulls, Timberwolves, and whoever else you want to throw in there, the Kings. Like, we're a year removed from that, and now we're talking about them beating the Nets at full strength, mind you, 
in back-to-back games. Give credit to this team. Stop discrediting the big three for the Nets. It's the laziest take that a person can have. Like, it requires no analyzation. It literally requires you to just see the score, see the players on the team on both teams, and be like, that team should win. You know how much goes into a game for an NBA team? You know how much chemistry is required for a team to be good? Like, that's the reason why the Lakers are as good as they are. Even with the subtraction and additions of players that we have had in the offseason, the core and the nucleus of that team is still the same. LeBron James, Anthony Davis. And then you still have the same role players that we had last season. Kyle Kuzma, KCP. Then you throw in Alex Caruso and Morris. Then you throw in a couple of new guys who are vets and have been to the playoffs numerous times. And we have an NBA champion now added to that mix. Mark Gasol, Dennis Schroeder. Like, you, chemistry matters, people. That Nets team is going to, I think, personally take at least two to three months to reach somewhat of their full strength chemistry-wise, which will translate to the floor. And once they do that, who's stopping them? Who's stopping them in the playoffs? Name one team. Philadelphia, no. Miami, no. The Bucks, maybe, but they can't seem to get out of their own way. Like, oh, Cleveland. No, Cleveland might not even make the playoffs, even with these two great wins. Like, just calm down. Stop making lazy takes. Analyze and reevaluate. That's all you have to do. It's not that hard even. Just just understanding what goes into a team being a team and what a good coach looks like on the other side. That's it. That's it. Like, oh, gosh. Come up with a better take, please. Please. Please.